Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Mass shootings in a time of Eastern Passover where is God? That's what we're asking today. Now, many of you are saying we're living in extremely violent times. We see in the news the recent mass shootings, the jump in violent crimes throughout the United States, the riots in the streets, and conclude that we're at a point in history that is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Well, it's not. We've seen this before in history and definitely worse times than these. The Bible is a very violent book. When we look at this time of year, a time sacred to Jews and Christians, we see the violence that took place in ancient times. In the Old Testament, this was the time that Moses spoke for God to the Pharaoh in his plea to release the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. What did God do to try and persuade Pharaoh? He visited plagues on the Egyptian people. That's what God did to persuade Pharaoh. Pharaoh just didn't go along with it. He turned the water red with blood, killing the fish and making it undrinkable. He sent plagues of frogs, lice, and flies to invade Egyptian homes and fill the streets and the bodies of Egyptian citizens. He then brought pestilence to Egyptian livestock so they would have no food or animals to work the fields. Then God released the plague of boils, infecting the Egyptian people with sores and infections. He brought down hail to destroy homes and fields, and what the hail did not destroy, he brought about a plague of locusts to finish off the crops in ancient Egypt. He then darkened the land of Egypt for three days. That's what the Bible says. Pharaoh's unwillingness to set the Jewish people free led to the harshest of the plagues. This is the Passover. God said that unless they were freed, every firstborn son in Egypt would be killed. Every Jew was to make a sacrifice of an animal and paint the blood of the animals on their doors so the angel of death would pass over that house and only the sons of the Egyptians would be killed. Very violent, don't you think? 
a violent holiday, Passover. But what about Easter? The Christian religion teaches that after man continued to disobey God, the only way to forgive man's sins was to come to the earth himself in the form of a man, his son, Jesus Christ, who would be sacrificed for all man's sins to rise again and save those who believe. The crucifixion of Jesus and the day preceding it was a very violent day for Jesus, who was stabbed, crowned with thorns, spit on, beaten, and finally nailed to a cross, only to suffer until dead. And what did Jesus say? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So what does any of this have to do with the recent mass shootings and the rise in violence across America? While the violence we just talked about occurred, God was involved, and the actions taken were out of love for man. There is much more in the scriptures than just violence. It is a story of an imperfect people who did what they thought they had to do to survive and to find a place in the world where they could understand what God was trying to say to them so they could follow his laws and be with him after death. God was the center of our world. He was the one thing we as a people could share, no matter what our other beliefs might have been. We were all serving a loving God with our eternal salvation as our reward. But now where is God, we ask? One of the main tenets of communism is the destruction of church and of God. It was done in the Soviet Union. The same thought processes that brought rise to Soviet Russia are with us here in the United States. Because of our roots as a nation in Judeo-Christian values, it's been harder for those forces to take hold. That's until now. But now, after decades of infecting our schools and our academic institutions and our media with this type of anti-God thought, those forces are finally grabbing hold. Now man has become God. And with man as God, we go back to our primitive ways before there was a belief in the one true God. Now we're becoming more tribal and we'll use violent means to stomp out the other tribes. We no longer look at life as precious, but as just another thing to get in our way. In the case of both of the recent mass shooters in America, God was not an option of comfort for them. Instead, these shooters took matters into their own hands and eliminated the imagined threats that they thought faced them. In cities across America, the murder rate is now spiking because man no longer sees life as a gift. After all, we've been told we're all just clumps of cells. The society is sick. Pornography is rampant. Abortion is rampant, making us further devalue life. We have a media which has chosen to make white people less than human. We have an ideology that runs rampant amongst young people that sees anyone who does not agree with them as an enemy that must be destroyed. And we see politicians who use that to their advantage to take power that does not belong to them. Why? All because we have thrown God out of the nation. Can we do anything to change this? Do you trust man to solve these problems? Well, none of us can know the answer right now. In the last podcast, I told you the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. That seems to be about where we are today. The question today is, where is God and what will God do? Will he intervene? Michael Savage, a host like no other. We're all recoiling from the Ahmad al-Isa shooter in Boulder who shot and killed 10 people. Now, this comes a week after the shootings in the spas. But notice how the media, the vermin in the media, the propagandists in the media, the rats in the media, the lowest class of human beings in the media, have and are covering the two different shootings. 
I wasn't going to do this. I was going to do another one on faith. But I am so angry and so agitated today. I decided I have to step in and say something. Okay, first it's suspect in Colorado shooting incident. Now, before it was released that he was a Muslim, a refugee from Syria who came over here when he was two years old, that he was not a white Christian, some of the lowest class in the media started to call him white male this, white male that, another white male shooting, and then they try to delete the tweets, including a relative of Kamala Harris, another sterling example of humanity. But let's go back. We uh, see the shooting. We're all upset. And I wake up and I say, who did it? Who did it? Who did it? After it happened. And I withheld myself because we saw what was a fat white guy with no clothing on. We figured it was a white man shooter. That was the first thing we all thought. But we reserved judgment. It turns out his name is Ahmad Alisa. And he was being watched by the FBI. <laughs> I guess the FBI took some time out from watching Christian nationalists to take a look at some fundamentalist Muslims. So it turns out that this murderer who kills 10 people is not a white Christian. And I begin by posting Ahmad al-Issa, boulder shooter, not a white Christian. Is this why Anderson Cooper and the left-wing propagandists have not disclosed? Of course not. And then people start answering. And what I saw was, it was pretty sad, is that people started to say terrible things uh, about Christians. That when I said you've got to be... Mr. Biden, don't ban rifles, ban radical Islam. Immediately, the left wing went into overdrive and said, oh, why don't they ban radical Christianity? Things like that. And another moron says, hey, Savage, I thought you had an advanced degree. Can't you figure this one out? Or people say, uh, radicalized male with a gun sounds like a conservative to me. You hear? Over and over again. Over and over again, they start attacking Christians and white people. It was so frightening to see how sick the left is that I decided I have to talk about this, even though I didn't want to. The fact of the matter is, I was not prepared for this level of Christophobia that I am seeing on Twitter. It's, it's, it's endemic. It's, it's a pandemic. So I then posted this. I said, note that when it's a person of color, it's called mental health issues. Notice he's being called insane mental health issues. But when they're white, it's called systemic racism or conspiratorial like QAnon. Did you notice the difference being put out by vermin like Anderson Cooper and Wolf Blitzer and the other scum of the earth? So uh, Biden immediately pops up and says he's going he's gonna to ban assault rifles. So I said, ban radical Islam, not rifles, Mr. Biden. Well, you should see the response that I got. I mean, there were warning signs. He was being watched by the FBI. And right away, people start putting up stuff like, oh, but radical Christianity is acceptable. And I said, what made you a, what made you a Christophobe? They have no answer for that. And another one says, a millennia of hate and evil from power, money, hungry terrorists in the name of Jesus. And I said, I hope you are saved from your madness. Then another one. A guy named Mustafa says, ban racial hatred too. Last massacre wasn't a Muslim, just a hater of Asians. I said, are you kidding, Mr. Liar? He was a sex fiend who hated massage parlors. Two white people were also killed by him in the spas. To you, apparently, these lives do not matter, right? 
And then he goes on and says it. Now, remember, we know that the Asian shooting in the massage, the Asian massage parlors, he did it because he was a sex maniac. But this guy, Mostafa, on Twitter says, oh, no, he still did it out of racial aid, and you know it. Are you listening? Insults do not settle a discussion. The hatred from Muslims on Twitter is overwhelming, and Jack does nothing about it. It's shocking, shocking. The rush, don't rush the judgment crowd, is suddenly rushing the judgment, blaming it all on white males. And immediately the administration jumps in and wants to uh, take our guns away from us. Now, all of this is occurring while the border is being overrun by, who are they? Who are these people coming in? They're all wearing brand new jeans. They have the great haircuts, nice sunglasses, new sneakers, courtesy of Catholic charities and the Protestant racketeers, the Baptist racketeers, the Jewish organization racketeers. They're all bringing them in by the millions. How many of them are coming in from the Middle East? You wouldn't know that. Another moron writes, using your logic, we must also ban Christianity for the mass shooting at the massage parlors, correct? And then he puts a smiley face, says, I thought you have an advanced degree. And I said, I earned three advanced degrees. None prepared me for the Christophobes like you, right? And then we go again, attacking Christ and attacking God. Disproving any kind of supernatural, all-powerful God, Christ, or otherwise requires only grade school levels of logic and reason. You know that. He says, I know you have a science background, so quit pretending you believe this crap. What should I answer him and say, Einstein knew more than you? Einstein knew more than you, and at the end of his life, he said he believed in God. Einstein knew more, see I'm typing, than you. And at the end, see hear me typing, of his life, he said the only explanation for it all, I guess this is a religious one, is that God exists and created the universe. That was Einstein. Are there any atheists in the cancer ward? Or they're all on Twitter and on uh, Facebook. I don't have an answer to that. All I know is it's a very sad time in America that the minute we have a tragedy like this, people jump to judgment and start attacking Christians and white males. And the gun grabbers jump into the breach and immediately try to take away our guns. If ever there was an argument to own a gun, it's now. Because I can guarantee you, if God forbid I had been in that store and the man starts blasting away, and I see, I don't care if he was white, black, pink, yellow, green, or a UFO, I would do everything I could to stop people like Syrian-born Ahmad Alisa, who was known to the FBI and was ranting about Islamophobes hacking his phone. He was not a white male. But there is a grotesque silence about Ahmad Alisa, who, by the way, also expressed anti-Trump sentiment and had ISIS sympathies. If you want to see some of the details about this monster, you can see the stories on michaelsavage.com. And again, I wanted to follow up on my last podcast with something to follow the power of faith, and I may yet do that. This may or may not be an addendum to that, but I am so agitated by what I am seeing in social media and in the media in general about Ahmad al-Arwi Alisa, who is claiming mental illness when we know it was not mental illness. It was Islamic fundamentalism that had turned him, by the way. 
Why is it that the police surrounded the house that he lived in with his extended family outside of Boulder? Extended family outside of Boulder live in a beautiful, beautiful detached home. Beautiful home. Why did the SWAT teams go to his home and start interviewing his relatives? Oh, he's a lovely boy. He's a quiet boy. He wouldn't have done this. He's mentally ill. Oh, really? Why don't you check out some of the books he was reading and check out some of his social media accounts before assuming it was a mental illness? As I said before, it's got me very sick. Killing 10 people in a supermarket shooting. And the cop who was killed in the supermarket shooting, a real hero, he quit a six-figure IT job to join the police force, and he had seven children. You hear? And the half-naked Boulder Carnage suspect, uh, whatever his name is, cried for his mommy during arrest. Cried for his mommy during his arrest. And Kamala Harris's niece, that low-life piece of trash, is now taking heat for presuming the Boulder shooter was white. This niece of hers? I hope to God Kamala Harris is different from this character. She since deleted a tweet that said the Atlanta shooting was not even a week ago. Violent white men are the greatest terrorist threat to our country. This is a niece of the vice president. The shooter was not a white male. He is of Syrian descent. And then again, Mina Harris. Mina Harris. What a name. Mina Harris. Not funny said, I deleted a previous tweet about the suspect in the Boulder shooting. She then wrote, I made an assumption based on his being taken into custody alive and the fact that the majority of mass shootings in the U.S. are carried out by white men. Shame on you, you piece of trash. Shame on you, Mina Harris. You're a piece of human trash. Jumping to conclusions about the gunman before police identified him as a Muslim. It is, but she wasn't alone. A so-called feminist and a so-called author by the name of Amy Siskind said in her Twitter page, the shooter was taken into custody. In other words, it was almost certainly a white man again. If you were black or brown, he would be dead. Can you believe the vicious racism of Siskind? Can you believe the hatred of Mina Harris? You better believe it. Because there is a race war going on in this country being conducted by the left wing and the media to destroy this country. I'll have more to say about this later on. This is the Michael Savage podcast. What a sad day in this country that such low lives have come to such high prominence. The Savage Nation. It's Savage on Demand. Well, talking about these two mass shootings in a time of Passover and Easter, you say, well, what does one thing have to do with the other? The answer is I don't know because I'm not God. Did you expect me to tell you that God was behind the shootings, that he has a greater purpose in letting this pile of human offal from Syria uh, who killed 10 innocent people, by the way, all of whom were white, if you want to throw a little racial element into it if we're still allowed to even notice that. So Middle Easterner kills 10 white people, and that's not racism, you get it? But the point is that we have two holidays of two of the world's great religions coming up back to back right around this time of horrible tragedy in America, not only with the shooting, but what Biden is doing to this nation. I could go into that, and I know you want me to, and I will for a moment, 
And I'll make it very simple. I'll make it very succinct before I talk about the two holidays. I treated what I have to believe. I treated what I believe yesterday. I was so angry over the shootings and the coverage. And what I said was a number of things. I said, note, when it's a person of color, it's mental health issues. But when they're a white shooter, it's systemic racism or a conspiracy of QAnon. You get it? Now, we know that the shooter was not a white Christian. That's why Anderson Cooper and the other vermin in the left-wing media have already buried it. We know all of that. And we know that Biden and the gun grabbers won't let any crisis go to waste. They're trying to seize your guns right away. That we understand as well. What else is worth saying about this before we go on to Passover and Easter? Here, here's a simple one. Guns, God, and family values. That's what the Biden gang is out to destroy. Speak out, tweet out, stand out. Don't give in to them. They're going for your throat. That's what I tweeted yesterday. I see what's coming. Many see it. And the fact of the matter is they're going to destroy all of us unless you stand up to them. And this is not satire. They are coming for your weapons, not just your assault weapons. That's just the toe in the door. That's the camel's nose in the tent. So what does this have to do with the Jewish holiday of Passover, the Christian holiday of Easter? Are we to be crucified like Jesus by this verminous left-wing administration? I really hope not. Is America to be crucified by Biden and his gang of left-wing fanatics? If you let them, they will crucify the nation, and they'll crucify you as well. But let me back it up for a minute. In a previous podcast, I talked about Exodus, but I'd like to explain the meaning of the Passover holiday in this one. Now, many of you, most of you are Christians or non-affiliated who listen to my podcast, but you're all interested in the Jewish religion in terms of the foundation of Christianity. But what does this holiday of Passover mean to a person beyond the ritual? And how can it be used to improve yourself? Because to me, if a religion doesn't in some way give you courage, strength, or hope, that religion has very little power as far as I am concerned. Religion should give you some connection to the ultimate power that drives the universe. I've studied a variety of religions during my life, and it's sometimes more actively than, than others. And I've looked for the truth, and where is God in so many places, and in so many ways that my head spins thinking about it. I'm all, I'm always, and I've always been trying to find a meaning in life. What am I doing here? What's the purpose of life? Why do good people suffer? Why do bad people sometimes not suffer? These are the eternal questions. If you find your answers in Jesus or in religion, you're very lucky. Most people do not. Most of you go to church or synagogue and come out as numb as you went in. You take nothing from it. You're just doing, you know, good. That's all. But the fact of the matter is, there's a holiday called Passover. Now, what does it mean? Well, you may, many of you may have heard about it. The Jews sit around a table and they eat uh, unleavened bread, a piece of matzah, and they drink four glasses of wine, and that's a, that's a Seder. Well, what is it really? I think even non-religious Jews in America have a Seder today. 
Many Christians understand what a Seder is. Sometimes Christians go to Seders because they have Jewish friends or someone in their family has married a Jewish person. It's a peaceful, nice, long meal with various ritualistic events, including the unleavened bread or matzah. Now, what does the unleavened bread signify? It signifies the time of haste when the Jews were fleeing Egypt and had to make bread in the desert. They did not have the time to allow the dough to rise. Now, the children love this kind of story, if they understand it at all. I don't know if they even teach it to the children anymore. The children understand that their ancestors were once slaves, but they don't really know what that means either. Jews don't really conceptualize that they were once slaves in Egypt, and they were freed by God. A modern Passover Seder may not mean the same thing to people today as the ancient one did to the Israelites. I'm not against tradition. I'm just saying a lot of people don't hear the message anymore or want to listen. Although they may mumble and say, well, our ancestors were slaves, it has no meaning to them other than to make them more PC and want to give reparations to people who were never slaves, you know, turn them into good liberals. What it can mean for us today is that we are still slaves in our own life, and we can break the bonds of slavery any time we want. If you take it as a personal Seder, a personal Passover, you can learn to release yourself from your own chains of addiction, whether they be alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling addiction. You could say you're a slave to them. And then you could come to understand that you are enslaved now. And you can decide to make that Passover Seder have meaning. You can decide that from that day forward to seek to break those chains of bondage and become a free man or a free woman. That's a new way, another way to interpret the significance of Passover, to give it a modern meaning, an eternal meaning. You must take meaning from the ancient and give it some modern meaning or else it loses its value altogether. To most people, a Seder has to do with chicken, chopped liver, gefilte fish, a piece of fatty meat, and things of that nature. About drinking too much wine because you're supposed to drink four cups of wine. For too many people, it's just an excuse to get drunk around a communal table in a nice setting with a clean tablecloth and good silverware. But the Passover Seder is about breaking our bondage. Let me say that again. A Passover Seder is about breaking our bondage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So I can sit here cynically and say that Passover has lost its meaning and that people just go there to eat and drink. But when you realize what is happening in this country, where we read that California has a curriculum which includes the Aztec God, somebody or other, honored by human sacrifice, and making children chant the names of Aztec gods in an attempt to build unity among school children, you could realize how important Passover and Easter really are. The California Department of Education has an ethnic studies model curriculum that includes chanting the names of Aztec gods, and it's all about an Aztec god. I can't even read the name, Tezcalacapacapacapa. And what is this about? Why would you have the children chanting to an Aztec god that was honored with human sacrifice? According to the World History Encyclopedia, any impersonator of this Aztec god would be sacrificed with his heart removed to honor the deity. Are you listening to this? They're having our children do a thing like this. 
in a unity chant. I can't even read you some of these things. To chant to a Mayan deity? All of our religion, Christianity, Judaism, even Islam, despised idol worship, leaving behind idol worship, cannibalism. And here in California, they're teaching worshiping a God that celebrated human sacrifice. Will they next celebrate cannibalism and fornicating with animals? It's possible. It's possible that in California that could be introduced in the California curriculum. California curriculum's introduction argued that this program worshiping this idol would help marginalized people. Let me read this to you. Quote, by affirming the identities and contributions of marginalized groups in our society, ethnic studies help students see themselves and each other as part of the narrative of the United States. Importantly, this helps students see themselves as active agents in the inter-ethnic bridge-building process we call American life. So they're going to put in uh, something that worships human sacrifice, cutting out a heart. That's inter-ethnic bridge-building to the psychopathic left-wing. It gets even worse in the California curriculum. The guiding principles included goals including celebrate and honor native peoples, of the land and communities of black indigenous people of color. You talk about insanity. What does that even mean? Another guiding principle of these maniacs reads, center and place high value on the pre-colonial ancestral knowledge, narratives and communal experiences of native peoples and people of color and groups that are typically marginalized in society. It goes on. The field of ethnic studies, it claims, quote, critically grapples with the various power structures and forms of oppression that continue to have social, emotional, cultural, economic, and political impacts. And then they put in the chance to the Aztec God where they cut the heart out in order to facilitate discussions about race, racism, and bigotry and the experiences of diverse Americans. The curriculum read the chance affirmations and energizers can be used as energizers to bring the class together build unity around ethnic studies principles and values, and to reinvigorate the class following a lesson that may be emotionally taxing or even when student engagement may, may appear to be low. Well, I think that they ought to really incorporate cutting out the hearts of some students, maybe some white boys. In fact, they ought to ask which white boys want to, have, want to volunteer to have their hearts cut out on the teacher's desk. Do you realize how insane this has become? Do you understand how racist and sick this is? Denying the principles of America's founding where all men are created equal and that we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights and so forth. Throwing that out the window to talk about some crappy Aztec God honored by human sacrifice. Go to hell with your ethnic curriculum, you psychopaths. So that leads us back to Easter and Passover. And where is God? Well, I guess to the psychopaths and the racists, there is no God. Their God is the God of hating white people, hating Christianity, hating Jews, hating America. But I think people see God in as many ways and as many places as there are on earth and in many ways. Some do it through sex. That's right. Some people find God through sex, through the orgasm. Some find it through other transcendental experiences, whether they be sex, drugs, music, etc.
People see God in their own way every day, whether you want to believe it or not. Some say they stand on a shoreline listening to the waves pounding against the shore and feel closer to God. Or they walk on a beach or in a forest. I told you I see God when I see seagulls diving for my bread. And there's that famous song from many years ago about hearing the cry of a newborn baby and knowing why you believe what you do. I know people see God in many ways. Those are the ways people see communion with the greatest spirit to which we are all connected. After all, what are we? In the end, what are we? In addition to being the blood, the bone, the vessels, the tissue, we are spirit. And everything we come into contact with resonates on or with our spirits, for better or for worse. We know that some people can bring us down or give us a headache. Some can bring us up. Some can make us happy. Some can make us sad. Some can make us feel elevated. Why? It's about the fact that we're like tuning forks and we resonate with other energy forces. The other energy forces can be other people, a pounding surf, an animal, a dog, a cat, a bird. But the ultimate tuning fork in the universe is what we're talking about today. How can we tap into that resonance? Some go to churches and join a congregation, and they are then better able to resonate with a higher power. I remember when I was a young boy, I asked about my grandfather who died long before I was born. The word came down to me that my grandfather, Sam, was not a religious man, that he did not go to a temple to pray. Instead, I was told he said he could be out in nature with his back to a tree and talk to God. In many ways, the same is true for me, Michael Savage, today. Proverbs thirteen twenty is written, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall smart for it. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Here is a postscript to the shootings in Boulder, Colorado by the Islamists who killed 10 white people. Now, Anderson Cooper hasn't told you that it was a Middle Easterner who killed 10 white people, but he hasn't also told you that the Boulder shooter may have targeted the shoppers at the grocery store in Boulder at King Super's grocery store because the store bills itself in this way, quote, your one-stop shop for kosher groceries. This was posted by a Logan Raddick, who then added, the murders came at a time people are busy shopping for Passover. Do we have a motive? Was the Islamist attacking the Jewish community, or was it just a convenient soft target? Remember, the Boulder shooter targeted the King Super's grocery store, which bills itself as your one-stop shop for kosher groceries. But Christians may also have been shopping for Easter. How come you haven't heard that on CNN? Think about it, and you'll know why the society is dying. Thank you for listening to the Michael Savage Podcast. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.